gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe here in this great hall of justice. Superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the Hall of Justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. So what uh what is this place anyway? Is this some type of fancy DMV? Are you kidding? It's the Hall of Justice. Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, bub. And what he does is the Hall of Justice podcast. Go, go, go with a smile. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Hall of Justice. This is episode 315, and this is a doozy. Last week, we covered the series finale and the series overall in general of Stargirl. Uh, on the CW, and it started on DC Universe. And last week, we had Nelson Lee, who plays Dragon King, on the show, and it was a blast. Well, today, the creator of the comic book character, Stargirl, the showrunner of that show, is here with us. But that barely scratches the surface. He has written some of the most iconic comic books of this century. And I don't use that term lightly. He started writing on The Flash. He wrote The Infinite Crisis, the sequel to The Crisis on Infinite Earths. He wrote Green Lantern Rebirth. He wrote The Flash Rebirth. There were so many comic books. And then he got into television and he got into movies. He worked for Richard Donner, for God's sakes. He created Flashpoint. We could do a whole episode on Flashpoint. Well, we have on the animated film. He worked on Aquaman, Green Lantern, Shazam. He wrote on Smallville. He worked on Arrow. He worked on The Flash. And as far as films, he worked on Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. He worked on that amazing Wonder Woman film. He was an executive producer on that. He co-wrote Wonder Woman 1984. He also did the story for Aquaman. Jeff Johns is an award-winning New York Times best-selling writer, film and television producer, showrunner, Known for reimagining superheroes and other iconic mythologies, past and present. And I have to also admit, and I told him this before we recorded the podcast, when he followed me on social media and became Facebook friends with me, I have been so excited to talk to this gentleman. The story of Stargirl, we talked about it last week. He created the character Courtney Whitmore, and he based it on his, he was inspired by his real life late sister, who passed away tragically in a, in a plane crash. I could talk to him about comics. I could talk to him about movies. I could talk to him about TV shows. I am so excited to bring to the 315th episode of the Hall of Justice podcast, my friend Jeff Johns. Jeff, thanks so much for doing this, man. Hey, Seth, thanks, thanks for having me. And 315, congratulations. That is quite, quite a, lot of, uh, a lot of podcasts. Well, I've told this story on the show before. Uh, in 1997, I was doing sports radio in Denver, Colorado. And I was doing a show about the Broncos, and I had referenced something about Batman. And I remember getting called into the program director's office, and they said, no, no, men don't talk about Batman. 
you're not talking about Batman on our show. And to have a podcast that's had been successful enough that we've been able to put together 315 episodes, I just want to say F you to that guy. Every time <laughs> I publish an episode, I think about <laughs> that guy. <laughs> He's like that guy in, in that Howard Stern movie who was like his yeah. nemesis. He's like your nemesis. That's that guy for you. That's right. That's exactly right. Uh, let's start with Stargirl. It, it just wrapped. Uh, I know it's near and dear to your heart. Um, before we get into the nitty gritty of how you came up with it and, 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 the, and the whole the circumstances around that, let's tell me what what you think. You saw it like the rest of us. You probably saw it earlier than the rest of us and didn't tell anybody. But uh, what, what what did you think when you saw that final credits roll and that show had come to an end? Well, I mean, you know, I was on set every day for three. We shot over four years. So I lived in Atlanta six months out of the year every time we did a season. I was in the editing room with the crew. So you get really close to everything. Um, and we locked picture, I think back in like, back in May. So it's been a while. Uh, and we got VFX and watching it on, you know, the soundstage and mixing it. Like I saw the final, 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 we put it together uh, probably a couple months ago, watched the, at the end of the summer, watched the final. And you know, it's bittersweet. I, I, I'm really proud of the show. I really love the show. Uh, it represents so many, you know, personal things to me um, and professional too, but I, it's very bittersweet because I love the ending. Um, I'm really happy we got to do it the way we did. Uh, we would have loved to do more, but I'm also really grateful for the fact that it exists. We have a trilogy of seasons that I think, you know, I put up against any other DC TV show that's ever been made. Um, in terms of quality and uh, and explored characters that I think people didn't think were worth exploring at, at times, uh, which the JSA are always worth exploring. Um, so it was it was a mix of emotions. It's a lot. That's a big question. So watching the finale. Oh, they get harder from here. <laughs> watching the finale was um, it was emotional on a lot of levels, but mostly great ones, I have to say. The uh, the interesting part about it is its time in this universe is a curious one because I think it aired on three different services, whether it was, it started on DC universe, uh, went over to HBO max, then went to the CW and that might've been out of order and it changed and it changed its time slots and everything. And I think now, especially as HBO max kind of merges with discovery and there's a new app there'll be new people getting exposed to it. And so this idea that the show may have ended, I have a feeling its total audience is unknown yet because as we've seen with streaming services, there are shows that come out of the woodwork that have been over for years and that find new life. I mean, think about Shit's Creek and, uh, and uh, Kim's Convenience. Like these were shows that were done, they were wrapped. And then all of a sudden, streaming services expose them to a whole new audience. My gut instinct is that'll happen with Stargirl. Yeah, I hope so. I, I mean, again, it's, I I love, like, we we started in the DC. It's so funny because it's hard to even remember that era. Started in the DC Universe app. Then we actually went to CW and HBO Max at the same time. Right, right. That was it. Um, And so we aired on CW, and then they would air us on HBO Max after we wrapped, uh, or after after they'd air on CW. So, but it, yeah, it was, it was I, I you know, it was kind of the show that the, like, was like the little engine that could, like we kept, I mean, the show just, it, it kept going because we had a lot of big fans like Mark Pedowitz at CW loved the show. 
Mm-hmm. And he really was the one, he and Peter Roth, who was the president of um, WBTV at the time, they were the ones that that helped keep the show going because they, they loved it. And I was really grateful. I think the show existed in a perfect time. Like it just, it happened to manifest when DC Universe was going. And and so we got lucky to get the show greenlit to a, a full season. And then Mark Pedowitz was at CW and CW was kind of still doing its all its, you know, superhero stuff. Yeah. So we exist like I feel like there's a big part of that. And I believe in destiny. I believe in karma. I believe in all that stuff. But I feel like there's a big part of um, uh, reality or the destiny that the show could only have existed in this window. Right. It, It couldn't have existed beyond or before because because we started in the DC universe app, we could tell the show in a different way than other shows, superhero shows. Right. So we made, made it more of a 13 chapter serialized, you know, we try to say it was like a 13 chapter movie every th- season. And, and we didn't have villain of the week. We didn't have fights every episode. We we kept it. So you didn't really know what to expect. And there were was, episodes. She didn't have the costume on. Yeah. there were, And that was really important to us. And it wasn't like we set out to say, okay, we're not, we're going to do an episode with no costume. It was just the story we were telling. And because we started on the DCU app, we had the opportunity to tell that story like that. And then when we migrated over to CW, our storytelling was already, that was already where our show was. And they were super supportive of of us telling our story in a different way than the other shows. And we had managed to already, you know, we had a bigger budget the first season, but we had already built all our assets digitally and, and, and physically so we could still do the great visual effects and the great stunts. And we just, we had our same teams the whole season, three seasons. Um, and to me, it's a trilogy of seasons and I was able to end it creatively and story-wise the way I wanted to with season three. So it, it's like, you know, to me, it's like a three chapter trilogy that can sit there. And I, I hope other audiences find it. I, I love the audience that has found it. Um, the fan community is really positive. Uh, much like Stargirl herself, which is not surprising. So, um, so yeah, hopefully people will keep finding the show as the years go on. I don't want to get uh, too personal, but I would imagine the satisfaction you got when you created the character based on your sister and then now saw a young lady wearing that costume on a screen. Like, again, you don't have to answer this if you don't want, but just the idea of personally what was that experience like seeing her in her costume on a screen for the first time well you know i'll, I'll say this seth is i'll start kind of backwards i'll start at the end with the finale okay. i actually drove, went out to my parents house to watch the finale with them hmm. and that was that was one of the most special uh for me it was one of those special times i could have because They've been watching the show, obviously, religiously. They, they've been following the character since she was created. It was very important to them, and they really enjoyed it, too. They enjoyed it for the story because it goes, it, it you know, it kind of goes beyond my sister and becomes its own thing. Um, and they really enjoyed it, and that was really special. Back when I created the character, it was a lot more raw. It was only a couple years after she had, mm. she had died. So um, when I got the opportunity to create the show, it kind of opened up open that back up because I had to talk about it because yeah. I you know you create the character I didn't really talk about it a lot when I introduced the character now I talked about it more because this is why I was doing it if I was going to spend any spend every second I had on a show and show run something um I wasn't going to let anyone else do Stargirl and I really wanted to do Stargirl 
Um, and so when we were, I mean, from casting Breck, when I first saw her to seeing her on set for the first time in that suit, to watching that first cut, to watching the finale, I, I you know, I think a lot of times in life, you don't know you're you don't know that in the moment that that moment is really special, but this was different. Every second I was like so happy and grateful that that we were all working on creating this this show, Stargo, for for my sister, really. But but also just to create a great show too. But it was um every day was emotional. And it it was very big, a very big healing process for me personally. Um on a lot of levels. And uh uh it 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 kind of, you know, at the Saturn Awards, Breck won this year for um best actress which is awesome and she dedicated her award to my sister which is really nice and my relationship with breck is you know i'm much older than her but i like to think i'm a big brother even though i could be, be her dad um but i that my that relationship's very special to me in a lot of ways and um you know it, it the whole experience has helped kind of um you know fill that you know, feel that everyone who's awesome, you know, it doesn't go away. There's just an emptiness there, but it has helped a lot and it's been great. Um, and I'm really, again, and I'm really proud that the show is, it was so well received that that is also a big, you know, a big, it's going to keep the show alive. Um, it's therapeutic. I'm sure Yeah, it is. Um, last question on this subject, uh, is Courtney Whitmore like your sister? Yes. Oh my God. My it's sister. Like, yes. I'll tell you how. <laughs> please. I, my sister I wanted talking, to ask you that literally so since I, the pilot. Oh my God. So uh, it's so fun because she makes such a good superhero. Um, so my sister, I have a, I have a brother too. She was, my, I'm the oldest. My sister was the youngest. Um, and with two older brothers, I'm sure this is why, why she was the way she was. She thought she could do anything. She was incredibly nice. Uh, she was always looking out for the underdog. She was um, always positive, um, but she always thought she could handle anything, do anything. She was always trying to do what my brother and I did, even though she was much younger. Hmm. And it made her really tenacious. It made her really confident. It made her, she was more confident than us, um, and it made her really sure of herself. It was interesting um, tapping into that. And you know, there's there's so many stories about. We always talk about the reluctant hero, the reluctant hero, the reluctant, right. She right. was the opposite. She was the overenthusiastic hero. Right. And it was in really the comics. Fun she was that even yeah, more same so. thing. Yeah. And so it's really fun to write that. It's really fun to write somebody that's like, let's go. And it's like, well, hold on a second. Like maybe we should try it different. And then, and also have her believe in, believe in things like, well, yeah, they're super villains, but we can make, you know, we can turn them around. It's like, what are you talking about? And, and the best is that even, and Pat says it a lot in the show. She's not proven right every time, but most times. And I love that because it doesn't make her perfect. My sister wasn't perfect either. Right. Made a lot of mistakes, got, you know, got in trouble too much. Like she, like she tried to do things that maybe she wasn't quite ready for, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's how Courtney was. But at the end of the day, she believed, not only believed in, in the goodness of people, but had faith in it. Um, and also saw it and, and, and wanted to, you know, wanted to, to help it. She was somebody that, um, I'll never forget there was a uh, a neighbor uh, of ours right next door. It was a girl that was a couple years younger than her. And she went to um, she went into high, high school with her and with my sister and my sis, sister saw her and she was getting picked on. 
by kids in her class. And so my sister, who was a senior, went over to her and said, in front of all these other girls that were much younger, and you know, it's a big deal when a senior kid talks to a sophomore, said, you know, hey, why don't you come sit with us? Like, we'd love to sit with us. Like, you don't want to sit here with these 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 guys. And it it just made her, it made our neighbors, day, like it helped her so much. And that was the kind of person she was. She didn't tolerate bullies. Um, she was, you know, she was honest and she was a go-getter and and she was star girl. And, and so that her spirit is in that character 100%. That's really, it's good to know because there were parts, I always thought the other characters didn't always have that uh, positivity. You know, Wildcat had yeah. her issues and uh, Dr. Midnight had, had her issues and they all had different things. And the show wasn't the JSA. It wasn't the, you know, it was about them, but the show was called Stargirl and it always came back to her. And yeah. in any situation, you always kind of wondered what she would say, which in season three, when she pisses them off, uh, that's that gets pretty dark. I oh, mean, yeah. it, it, it gets sure. it goes someplace. Yeah, we weren't. We really wanted to, you know. I, I wanted to make sure that she, like, again, she's not perfect. She makes mistakes. Not everything's going to be work out the way it should. But if you look at it, like, if you look at all the characters, <clears throat> those four JSA characters were always the main. They're they're going to be my core throughout the whole thing. I never liked when a superhero show, from season one to season, the later seasons, the whole cast is different, right? Because it, it doesn't be. It's not the same show. Yeah. And I really wanted this show well, to the, be. The Flash is dealing with that. There's a, there's a lot of shows that struggle with it. I really wanted this show to have the core seven were really, the, I'm like, okay, you have Courtney who's at the center of it. And then you have her family with Pat, Barbara and Mike, that family had never, I wanted to remain intact. And then the, the JSA, although I knew it would expand, I wanted to make sure that was the original three, three members she, she recruited with Yolanda, Beth and Rick. And if you took the JSA and look at them, their base their base attitudes are and then i'll do it with the family you have courtney who is an opt like an optimist and you have yolanda who's a pessimist just by nature then you have beth who's a super optimist and then you have rick and who's also a, a nervous nelly yeah and you have rick who's a super pessimist yeah so you've got this great kind of grouping of characters and you and they can by the way they switch roles once in a while but their base is that and then on the family side, you have Courtney, who's over enthusiastic, and you have Pat, who's overly cautious, right? Um, the and great that's a, Luke Wilson. Yeah, great Luke Wilson, amazing actor and and human being. But all these characters have different attitudes. The one thing they share in common is they care about people, and that was really really important for me. Is that at the end of the day, every one of these characters, and you can see it throughout the series, they care about one another. They grow to love one another. And they, they that's just their, they, they just need some of them like Rick or Beth just need an opportunity or an olive branch to, to grab onto. But you can see throughout the series, these people are making choices because they care about people. And that was really important to me um, that we weren't just about super villains and of the week. And you know, we were much more complicated than that. Uh, and, and I think at the end of the day, you know, throwing into the like into the big soup that is the universe, throw a piece of positivity into that soup with Stargirl. That's what I wanted to do is throw something out there that would harken back to Superman, the movie and yeah. Wonder Woman. And the, the character is the bright, shiny characters that Stargirl is from um, and, and, and youth and generations and have have conflict. But ultimately, these people care about each other.
like family. You uh you referenced Superman the movie, and I know that you work with uh, and for Richard Donner, um, in in your career. Uh, but one thing I've noticed, and I just wanted to get your thought on this, is that you don't try to emulate that movie. You don't you don't try to imitate that movie all, all the time. Not everything is a recreation of Superman the movie. It, it, it there's there's different aspects of it. How is Richard Donner the influence? And is that something conscious that you try to depart from Superman the movie because of the obvious comparisons? Uh, no, I mean, Dick, Dick always, you know, he was he always had so much heart in everything he did. And he cared so much about people. Um, you know, the one thing I think I, I, I take from him is that he just he there's a couple things one is that he he treated it with dignity and positivity um and that he had fun with it you know so the stuff that like that's why stargirl was so fun because i was because i was show running charge all the scripts all the cuts hiring all the the casting direct hiring the directors working with them on the set every day it was, i was able to really make sure that the tone of what I wanted the show to be was there. That's the hardest thing to do when you're not involved every second, you can't control tone, right. you know, and tone is the hardest thing to me because story, you know, obviously it's writing, everything's a challenge, but, but finding the tone when it all comes together and make sure the tone's right. And that tone is that star girl tone is, is, you know, Superman has that tone. Um, I wanted that same tone. It's not in everything. I, 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 especially in the comics, I write very different things, but but for Stargirl, this is what made sense, and this is what I wanted to do. Um, but Dick was influenced on me, you know, in a lot, a lot of ways, way beyond, you know, stories and work. Um, he was a godfather of my son. Like he's, he's a pretty. Oh, wow. He was a really. He was like my second father. Like I, when I came out here, you know, my sister. I actually was working for him when my sister died, and he was. Mm. I barely remember it, but he paid for my. I remember he called me, said go home my roommate uh his name was also jeff my roommate jeff who uh that must have been annoying answering the phone <laughs> that was fine but we uh i don't know maybe it was i don't remember uh it was so long ago uh he bought plane tickets for he just bought plane tickets he talked to him he's and so my friend flew back with me because i i didn't know what was going on he paid for everything and he told me he said your job's here for one, whenever you want to come back take your time um, and he was so supportive. And then the next, the film we shot, he flew my parents out to, to New York and put them in it um, in a conspiracy theory. It was the first time my parents had gone on a trip like that since she died. It, it he was he was there for me in a lot of ways. He was. Oh, you'll uh, have to come back on the podcast. Well, let, let's do a Richard Donner podcast. I, oh my God, That'd I would be love. So much fun. I would love to do that. I was talk so about his whole career. That would be amazing. Oh, it'd be amazing. Maybe we can get a couple of people to come on with us and do like get a yeah. Get a, little round table he was i'll tell you one story about him just because i, I it's just an example of how great uh, of a guy he was just to work for he i just moved to this new apartment and so and i moved i moved across town and so i'd be close to him because i had to go to his house every day and pick him up and because we come to the studio together and so he um one day we're driving back and he he said hey i want to go to best buy it's my nephew's birthday and i want to get him a stereo i said okay and so we went there and he said, pick out the best one. And I want to really, I said, okay. And we picked out all this stuff and it was expensive. I remember it was expensive. Um, and we're checking out and he buys it and he goes, happy new apartment. And he bought it for me. And I was like, oh my, <laughs> it, 
and that's the way he was. There was another time I remember I'd worked for him for about two and a half, three years, and he called me. I was it was like I don't know when it was, like a, it was like a Saturday morning. It was so weird. He called me. He's like, "Hey," I go, "Hey," he goes, "You've never asked for a raise." I go, <laughs> "I go, uh, no, I guess I haven't. I just didn't like. I just worked. I liked it." Right. Like, and he said, it's an "Awkward oh, conversation to have with in yeah, any I job said, situation." He said, "Well, I'm giving you a raise." I said, "Okay, thanks, Dick." And his business manager called me like that Monday and said, uh, "Dick doubled your salary." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it was really, really nice. I mean, he was just. I really, uh, um, I miss him. You know, I wish he was, I wish he was still here. I really miss him. He's a great guy. Well, let's definitely, uh, do that episode. Let's, I lo- uh, I'd love to do that. That'd let's, be so, let's, that'd yeah, be let's so. plan it after, after we get done here. Let's, I, let's, I, let's plan I, that. I can go into so many details about I, how I crashed this car. Oh, all that'd sorts be so of much stuff. fun. Yeah, yeah, that would be so much fun. Um, the, cool. uh, the the idea of of comics you know you had been exposed to television and film and you know those kinds of medium um how much did you feel like comics were like a calling to you and now in your in your time after doing all of these movies and television shows and all of these different things uh do you feel the same attachment to comics as you did yeah, I mean, I love comic books. I'm still, if I didn't, I wouldn't still be writing them. You know, like I, I just, there's something about comics. I So I, when I was growing up, I moved from Detroit. Um, I'm wearing a Tigers shirt. Oh, just nice. Wearing, love the t- 84 2005 Tigers. All-Star game. I was at oh, that nice. Comerica Park. I remember watching the 84 Tigers win it. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I love comic books and I got, really got into them when, when we moved from up from Detroit to another about you know about 40 minutes north and um that summer my brother and i got into comics we found some old comics in my grandma's attic like it was was, comics became a big thing when i was a kid probably around around crisis like you know when i was about 13 so 1986 the crisis on infinite earths yeah it was cool and they were restarting everything so as a new reader it was great and there's no internet so you didn't get spoiled by anything right so you just the only way to read these stories or hear about these stories was to read the comics you couldn't sure so, I'm so old now. <laughs> um, you, you couldn't. I, I, mean, I just can't imagine. Imagine what like anyone under under thirty is like. What um, people listening to this podcast just said the same thing before you did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, you said if it's for people who remember Super Friends, but anyway. Right. So, but but you know we got into comics and comics were exciting back then because there was a co- one continuity. The books oh, mattered. The best. You know, you didn't get spoiled. Uh, um, you you had the only way to read these was not to to read scans or summaries or people incorrectly incorrectly, you know, summarizing what the story was and right. and which happens all the time. Yep. Um, online, we were like, oh, it's just this. I'm like, that's not even like books. I don't write. I mean, I read summaries of people's <laughs> right. stuff. I'm like, that's not at all what the book was about. Ron um, Mars said the same thing when he was on the show. It's just they just they just. Yep. It's just there's so everything's so disposable now. It's a bummer. Um, but I, I love comic books so much and I still really believe in the medium and the and the art. And there's nothing like working with an artist because there's this mind meld where it's you and the artist. I work really closely with the artists I work with, and I work with the same artist for a over and over and over because we find this great collaboration and create great stuff. Um and so 
I love comics. I'll never stop doing comics. That's my first love. Uh, like, I just love them. I, I, you know, there's times where I've had to take breaks because, because work gets, you know, work gets um, busy on other things. It was really hard when I was show running Stargirl because that was a full-time job. So 99% of my day and, and nights were, was Stargirl. But, uh, but I love comic books. I, I, I love all the mediums. You know, I probably, the thing that I love about, I love, and I love them for different reasons, you know, but, but comics, there's just something about ha like holding a comic book. It's just like, ah, oh, like holding a comic book feels, there's something about it that's just so magical to me and creating something like that. And I still love the characters. I love, you know, whether it's DC or Marvel or, or Image or Valiant, I, I just love all these fun characters that, that can have so many adventures in this medium where other ones you, you can't have as many. I always, I've told the story on the podcast before my introduction to comic books was as a, a young adult, as a college kid. Um, I was a fan of cartoons. I was a massive, uh, you know, transformers and masters of the universe and things like that. But in 1992, my freshman year at Syracuse, uh, I was assigned for the campus TV station to cover the death of Superman. Oh my God. How cool is that? And I went to a store and there was a line out the door and I had to interview all these people. And when I was there, I was amazed by how cool this comic book shop in Syracuse, New York was. And so a couple of weeks later, I went back and I started checking it out. And it was right around the time that Hal Jordan went bananas. That's yeah. Yeah. And that was, was the first part. comic book I had ever read. Like that, really? was, oh it. My God. that was it. You must so then I read out. The Death of Superman, but then I started getting the classics and, you know, the, yeah. I started reading all the old ones and The Dark Knight Returns and all these different things. But I was introduced to that as an adult. And that's the same year that Batman, the animated series came out. So yeah, it's like you it, it's like great. entering a world. You know, I don't have that where I wasn't reading it as a, as a kid. I just did, I wasn't exposed to it. There wasn't a comic book store near where I grew up and it just wasn't my thing. But yet once I found out how adult they were, I, I just felt like those comic books were speaking to me. Like they, well, that wasn't well, for me when I was 12. It was well, me I, when I was 19, 20 years old. I, I, that's awesome. I feel like also, again, it's, it's kind of timing is you. And look, I think everyone who get, when they get into comics, that's, that's their favorite right. era, right? It just is, but that it is, a, it is undeniably an amazing era between like, the mid late eighties to the, to like the early nineties. That's a great era of comics. Cause you had, you know, you had all the great stuff going on at Marvel DC's being reinvented. Then you had image come out. I mean, it was a great era. That was, that was me through school and college. That was my yeah, era. Todd McFarlane. Yeah. Yeah. And death of Superman, the, the, like Todd McFarlane Hulk, and then his Spider-Man and then he's gone. Oh, yeah. uh, it was amazing. And, and you had Jim Lee, um, but, yeah. but everybody coming he's out. Another white whale. Just as yeah, you were, he's the other guy I need to get on this podcast. Oh, Jim! Oh, maybe we can get on together sometime. Yeah. Um, you got to get Jim. He's a great guy. Uh, he's but but there's so many. Uh, there's there's so many great books and and talent that came out of out of that era, and and it felt like, you know, it just it it did that death of Superman. I remember just running to the store to read the reign of Superman as they were introducing oh. Superboy and Steel. That's why Superboy became one of my favorite characters. Because of that that run that, that Carl, story, Carl, Carl, Tom Carl Kessel and uh, oh. uh, Louise Simonson and oh my all god, those. all those books were great. Era I love the Eradicator, but all those books I loved. I love that whole storyline from his death to like him coming back it was so good. 
It was, and it was I was remembered. I, I always remembered and James Tucker came on this podcast because we had this debate uh, when they did the two separate animated movies about the death of Superman. Oh, yeah. And James Tucker said that it was like a flip of the coin and that if Bruce Tim had been producing that uh, death of Superman story, it would have been in the Dan Jurgen style and it would have been that guy. Instead, it was the what they call the tucker verse you know where it's yeah. jerry o'connell voiced him and it was that superman you know yeah. rosario dawson was wonder woman and, and and whatnot and what what i think lacked in both those movies was it wasn't the guy that you had spent decades with yeah you know what i mean in the first animated movie you didn't know who that guy was he was just superman and in this one you'd met him a couple years prior but you don't have the legacy with him when you see all that story and you're wondering what Superman's going to be like, but it's the Superman from whether it's in your head, Christopher Reeve or Danny Dark or George Reeves or whatever it is, it's that that mountain of legacy that the animated movies couldn't do. And the live action one, for that matter, couldn't do because you don't have that that gravitas. You're right. And you also don't have that. There's something too in, in, in about comic books is that because you're you're reading at your own pace, mm -hmm. uh, which you don't get on on. That's one of the things I love about comics is it's so individual that people don't realize that experience is completely individual as you read. Uh, but but yeah, the, there's some and there's something about the chat the way it was told in chapters. Every every character had its different tone. And Dan Jurgens' art too is like oh, that art gosh. is so beautiful. I think he is. I mean, he was a huge influence on me coming up too. Like his He's work been on the show. Oh, he's awesome. I love Dan. His work yeah. on Superman is Booster Gold, Justice League. I mean, I love I have all his all his all his work I have. Um, but he uh there was something about that his look of Superman too in that that run. It just was it was really special that that era of Superman. It was really and of course it sold really well because the stories were good and it was engaging. You know, that's it, it really worked. One of the things we've been talking about on this podcast for 315 episodes is when things are change for change sake. What's the idea? What's your philosophy behind uh, if it don't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And yet things are different just because they're different. And part of that is the evolution of characters, but some of it is just he's different. And, and, and what's your philosophy on that? And sometimes how, it really divides fan bases because some people want it to be the classic. I mean, we we've told the story a, a thousand times on this podcast, episode 28, uh, Zack Snyder came on and I asked him probably the same exact question and he ripped Superman fans and it got written up in variety. And you know, the podcast took off after that and what, but, but it's not meant to be confrontational. It's more meant to be when that is a conscious decision to just change for change sake, What's your philosophy on that? And it doesn't have to be one specific character. It can be just in general. Or it mm. can be one specific character. Well, it's tr it's tricky, I think, when you're working with the character because everyone has an idea of what the character... What the char everyone has an idea of what the, who the character is. That's why a lot of the times I like working with the minor characters or the characters that have kind of been thrown into the back of the closet and nobody wants to touch them, like the JSA. Like, I love working with the JSA because... They have there's to me they're the interesting thing about the JSA is like they are 
they, they do change and evolve, but I think you can do it in such an organic way. Roy Thomas did it, you know, where you had the history and you had that legacy and the, the original JSAs and the, the first superhero team, and they're all very grounded. You, you don't, when you say JSA, you don't think of their adventures in space, right? It just feels much more grounded, sure. much yeah. more earth based. Their powers, even though the Spectre was on the team, you don't feel like their like their adventures were were insane. And I and I think when you you know when you change the JSA like we did in in the two thousands run, we added a lot of new legacy characters, but that was inherently organic to the team, so we could pick up people like Mister Terrific and you know the new Doctor Midnight they had done a series on and bringing Sandy and making him sand um bringing Stargirl into it it felt organic because that's what the JSA had been for decades was this since Infinity Inc right that they started to and All Star Comics they started to introduce a new generation and new legacy characters and so it didn't even though it was changing it didn't feel like change for change's sake it felt like an evolution um and I think that's one of the tricks is is how do you how do you take the core concept and like green my green lantern run was the same way as like i wanted to bring in everybody because I, I grew up reading like i started reading green lantern like you I, I like i read john stewart run during crisis then i read the hal jordan john stewart guy gardner runs and but i dropped off of it when he had white hair i just never really got into that run but then i came back when kyle rayner was introduced and that was exciting uh, and then I kind of fell off it at some point, but, but when I worked on Green Lantern, I remember there was somebody that said, you got to kill off Kyle Rayner. I was like, are you crazy? Like, he's a great character. And also, why do you want to do that? There's no reason to do that. Like Green Lantern's about many Green Lanterns. So I'm going to bring all, I said, not only am I not going to do that, I'm going to bring all of them back. Guy Gardner, John Stewart, um, the core, entire core was dead at that point. And then it wasn't just about, but it's not just about bringing things back. It's also about expanding things. So whether it's Shazam or Aquaman with the others or Green Lantern, I always try and, or JSA, I always try and, for me, st stay true to that core. But then you change it by ex expanding it, expanding it with new characters and new ideas and new myth mythologies. And you know, and so, so that, I, so I, I don't, you know, change for change sake, I, there's always been books out there. I won't get into in, into them, but there's always books out there or storylines out there that, that you know what it is. It just changes and it doesn't really feel organic, right? When it doesn't feel organic to the character of the book, it feels like just a change for change sake to make something cooler or more modern or whatever. And there's been tons of attempts to take characters like Captain Cold He's got to be like, let's give him ice powers because that'll make him more modern. Like, well, the thing that's interesting about Captain Cold is that he's kind of this blue collar thug who stumbled upon us, you know, this cryonic engine and made a gun out of it. And 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 he's it's like they're like the 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 bank robbers from Heat, like that found these super weapons and and cobbled them together. When you give them superpowers, to me, they don't feel like the character, the rogues anymore. They don't feel like the grounded normal you know thieves but again that's my that's only my perspective on on those characters somebody might somebody might have grown up with captain cold with ice powers and thought that was that that was great you know and that was that's who he is now so it's it is all it all it is all very you know subjective as well but that's just you, my that's just how I, I that's how i think about it i always want to expand it but i want to stay true to the core character i have one question about the dc tv and one question about the dc movies but let's do the movies first uh, and that is, 
I've never seen something so polarizing. I have never seen, there have been movies that I liked and didn't like. I think The Last Jedi is the other movie where people will defend it to the ends of the earth or rip it to the ends of the earth. The Man of Steel to Batman v Superman to Justice League to everything all combined. I have never seen an entity that has been so polarizing in that there are people who will die on that vine defending that. There are people who will rip it to shreds. It is it is incredible to see the dichotomy in these fan bases. Your 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 assessment. That's a hard question, Seth. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I don't know. I look, people are very passionate. That's all I can say. People are passionate about this stuff. This all this stuff strikes a chord. It did with like even back in the day when it was just about comic books, you had huge passionate fan bases that loved Hal Jordan or loved Kyle Rayner. Like they they go back and forth, right? And so it's just kind oh, of I just, wanted Grant Gustin to be Wally West. Yeah, I mean, I, I make no way, secret I, about that. Yeah, and look, I, my first Flash comic, I read a couple Barry Allen's, but then it was really not until Wally West took over as a Flash, and I was like, he's my Flash. I bought issue one. Right. I was like, I love. I wrote that book for five years, and then and when they cast John Wesley Ship, I said, have him be Barry. Yeah, and so like, so let him be Barry and let him be Wally, and you can do yeah. the whole story also. Yeah, and then and then and then we you know we brought Barry back in the comic books and it was fun to yep. do because it was I thought we were oh we'll expand it even further and bring bring all the characters back. It wasn't about going backwards, but everybody has their favorite character, everybody has their favorite version, everybody has their favorite when it comes to this stuff, and and DC in particular has just multiple versions because they were created in the fifties and the forties and the sixties and the eighties. You have all these different versions of these characters out there and. And then you add media on top of it that people are just going to be passionate, passionate about what version they like and what they like. And, and, you know, social media just magnifies that th those, those voices that are, that are loud, but it's, that's just the way of the world. And, and look, you don't see people arguing about, you know, Grey's Anatomy, like passionately, like I know season three is better than season eight. Like, and they're just dying, like fighting. Season three is better than season eight. No, <laughs> I, I don't want, I don't want to show. I trust you. So it's just, to me, it's just like people are passionate about this. This stuff strikes a chord with people, you know, and and they it becomes, you know, it becomes a bit of their identity. And uh, and it's no different than, than comics. Like growing up on comics, there were you would like versions and not like versions. And and but because DC has multiple versions of characters, DC's always felt like it's had multiple versions of things. Um, and people like a certain like that version or this version. That's sure. just the way it is. Um, we had uh, Mark Guggenheim on this podcast. Love Mark. What a great and uh, he got giddy when we talked about that crisis on Infinite Earths. Oh, yeah, that was really good. That was fun. that is the cornucopia job. of superhero like porn. That, that That's what that is. I, I mean, it was so wild with the different with Robert Wool and and Ezra Miller showing up and all the cameos and Brandon Ralph putting on the costume again and all these different things. Uh, is that as much fun for someone like you? as it was for the viewer because the viewer I, that that's probably the only CW thing I watched six, seven times. Oh, it was, it was so fun. And Mark really captured the spirit of crisis, like just having all these different versions and, and really bringing the multiverse together. To me, that was just, that was a gift. And, and it was great that Mark had like he headed that up because very few people could pull that off, especially on those budgets. Um, but Mark, you know, Mark put it together and, and I think it 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 played with a lot of the fun of you know, from Burt Ward to 
seeing the birds of prey. Like it was just oh really my God, fun. That's right. Yeah. Get all together. And he had these, these really fun cameos. It, it was, it was great. And no, again, it's a perfect timing because you couldn't do that now. Right. right. Cause the, most of the shows are gone. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it was like, if you're going to do it, that was it. That was the only time you could do it. Right. Oh, there. it crescendoed. It was, uh, that was the, that like, was that the, were, the, the really crescendo. Was. Yeah. yeah, that really was, you know, and Mark has such a passion for this stuff. I just did a signing with him the other night um, out in Pasadena. And uh, yeah, you didn't see you on social media. I didn't understand you wore a Mets hat. Oh, yeah. I, wore I almost hat. couldn't have you on the podcast. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, what's he wearing a Mets hat? You're a Tigers guy. I am a Tigers guy. Just the blue hat looked better with my blue blue shirt. <laughs> to be honest. Um, um, yeah. But yeah, it was, it was, uh, but yeah, he, he's, he really pulled that off and it, it's fun. You know, that kind of stuff too is fun for the long, the fans have been long, around for a long time. And now you've got fans of those shows. Like there's going to be an era, just like, you know, we talk about the era of the death of Superman in comics. There are going to be fans that talk about the Arrowverse era, right? That that's yep. their era. Like everyone has their own era and that's going to be their favorite versions of the characters. And they'll argue those to death too. No, that's, that's a great point. I, you know, again, that's, you know, that's part of the reason speaking just of comics i love and and stargirl i love working with the minor characters because they haven't been as overexposed as the other ones you don't have a hundred versions of them and um and so you can really you can really kind of define a character and introduce a character and new characters too are great to do that with like i loved like introducing saint walker um you know, or some of the new, some of the new, uh, the, the, the new superheroes with Aquaman and the others, like, because they're brand new characters, you're not, you're not, you're, you're not going against. Not burdened. No, because you're, you're starting something new and maybe the character doesn't work and maybe the character does. Uh, the other thing is taking minor characters like Beth Chappell and Yolanda Montez. We changed them radically. I always wanted to work with Yolanda Montez, but they had killed her in the comics before I even got into comics, um, unceremoniously, but, <laughs> but I always wanted to work with that character because I thought she was so cool in Crisis. She looked cool. She had a. She just seemed to have a cool attitude. And but but by bringing her in, I'm like we're changing her a lot. She's a high school student, right? That's a massive difference. But because she's a pretty minor character, there just wasn't a lot of pushback on it from the fan base because, again, she she we I think we captured the spirit of who she was, um, but she was relatively. In the grand scheme of thing, things, very, very minor. And so, um, by working with characters like that, it just get, gives you latitude to explore them in ways that, you know, you don't feel like they've been explored, um, and and that helps. So I, that's again, that's one of the reasons I like going to the minor characters and like creating a lot of new characters. Uh, as I wrap up this podcast, I want to do it the the way I I, I wrap up every episode, and I usually uh, ask this weird question but uh given the fact that by the time this podcast gets published uh twitter might be done and <laughs> shut down uh how do you feel about social media and how for for what you do and as involved as you are in things with these massive fan bases is social media a positive a negative neutral what what's your what's your thought on it well i think overall it's positive and i'll tell you why is that when i was a kid growing up I loved comic books and I had two people in my life that I could talk to them about my brother and um, my best friend, uh, a guy named Josh, who who was into comics too. Not another Jeff, right? No, not another Jeff. He, by the way, that Jeff is a Jeff of the G as well, um, <laughs> which is even more confusing. Uh, <laughs> super, super random. But anyway, uh, Josh, 
you know, I, I met him in junior high and, and we became, you know, best friends and, and he was super into comics. But back then, again, I'm super old, but back then that was it. That was all you you could talk to and exchange, and you 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 felt a little bit not I guess isolated is probably the right word, and I think with social media, no matter what your passion is, like whether it's movies or sports or whatever it is, and sports are much more mainstream. But some of these some of these more kind of subcultures um, that you have these interests in, and, and you feel a little bit outside. I, I think what social media has done is given a lot of people a great place to meet friends a lot of people a lot of my friends i've made on social media now but a lot of a lot of people today like that's how you can connect with you know si similar interests and you know right it doesn't have to be the cesspool no I mean, it doesn't have, but you I can found, just look by the way you can you avoid, and i found each other on social media what eight years it's, yeah, like, yeah. You in can the avoid, beginning of the podcast yeah i mean i've got a lot of friends i i a lot of my friends because we had similar interests but again you can avoid the you can avoid that stuff it's it's not that hard to avoid but you you know for me it's a positive thing because it really is when i remember when this it was called prodigy i think it was like it was like the, the internet yeah the internet and it was like prodigy. aol the aol comic book boards and i got on there like when they were just starting and i remember i was i was positive because that's just what i talk about i like talk about what i like i'd rather talk about what i like than what i don't like because i never like if I didn't like a comic book, I would drop it. I didn't keep right. reading it. I, I didn't like, I didn't understand why if you didn't like something, you kept reading it or watching it. Like I, I didn't, it didn't make sense to me. So I would just drop the book. And I, I remember getting on there first and there were some people complaining about like zero hour was going to come out and people were complaining about it. And I remember responding and I was like, cause shouldn't we read it before we start saying it's not going to be good? <laughs> like, I, like, why are we? And I remember like, and I remember just sitting, and I and I did, and I was I don't know, I was, I was really young, but I didn't understand why people were complaining about something that wasn't even out yet. And um, and I remember Mark Wade responded to me, and nice. I was so, I was like, oh my, he's been on I, this show. I was like, oh, I love Mark. He's one of my favorite writers in the world, and he was my favorite writer. Right at that moment, he's like on flight. He was writing my favorite books. That 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 show could have been three hours. Like he, you have oh, to corral right. him. Yeah, he's 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 amazing, and. I was so, and so here's my other point in social media. I was so like, oh my God, that's so cool. I inter I had an interaction with Mark, my favorite comic book writer. I never thought I would. Yeah. It, it, it wouldn't have even, like, I, it's like, it was un unthinkable to me. Sure, so not sure. only did, like, I end up meeting friends and whatever, and you, you got to talk about things you loved, but I could have interactions with people I admired. And that, that's special. I mean, that, that really, so look, overall, it's, I think you have to call it a win. Yeah, I, so many great things have happened uh, because of social media. You know, I've told the story. I'll probably take this out of the podcast. I worked with Prince for a year um, because of so Twitter, because of a tweet. And, wow, that's uh, really cool. I, I met him, and 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 like I said, we worked together for a year, and that only happened because of some guy on Twitter. Like that, that was how it, it's been a total win-win. Uh, um, how can people find you online? Although, let me be honest, <laughs> people well, who me, are listening to this, they fucking know. <laughs> they they know I, how to find I, you I online. Yeah, I don't really get online. I'm on fa I'm on Facebook a little bit. Um, but that's about it. Right on. Well, I cannot uh, thank you enough for uh, coming on this show. Uh, it's been a, a goal of mine, you know, like I said, since we connected on social media, 
Uh, as soon as this podcast had a consistent audience, I've wanted you on this 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 show. Uh, thank you for your support in the past and continued yeah, success uh, to you. Uh, I am literally going to take you up on that Richard Donner idea. Yeah, let's that would do be, it. You know, that be would so be a fun. fantastic, fun episode. Uh, I would love to do it, and and like it'd be fun to grab like one or two other folks that that have worked with him that I that yeah. I know that are that are there's there's a couple people that I'd love to talk to you about who we could get on and just talk talk about him and celebrate him because I do think he is like people recognize him for for Superman in a kind of like our world right in the in the super world the super Superman film but I think he's so under under um, appreciated in all other aspects of the work he's done from Lethal Weapon to the Goonies things like Maverick like there's so much great work he's done. And also just as, just stories like you guys could tell. Yeah, like, who he is. That's what I was gonna right. say. Who he is as a human being, as a person. Like he is, he was that's he was one of the most generous, fun, positive people oh, you awesome. would ever imagine. And and I would I would love to talk to about talk about him. I got a picture of him right right here with me. Um he is uh he's a real special, special human being. So we have to do that. Well, the neat thing about having a podcast and knowing I I, I didn't know what where we were going i knew what we'd cover but i didn't know where we were going and just to see your eyes light up the way we talked about him like we have to do that we totally, uh, totally yeah. have to do that it would be so much fun jeff yeah. thanks so much for doing this happy uh, new year happy and, new year uh, happy, happy holidays. holidays and all that yeah. stuff and uh let's talk again in 2023 right. look forward to it i have been fortunate to have some really amazing people on this podcast and this one is going to top it i want to thank at the end of this year so many people who have supported the show and listened to the show and continue to listen to the show. Um, this podcast is a passion project. Uh, sure, we have so many fun topics coming up in 2023. We're going to get some great guests. Jeff Johns is going to return. Uh, we pay tribute to some very important people on the podcast. It just It's something that I'm passionate about. And even next week that we're not doing an episode because it's the holiday week and I'm going to be away. There'll be a pit in my stomach going, wait a minute, I didn't publish an episode this week. It's going to feel weird. Uh, what I will suggest, uh, go back in the archives and check out some of the earlier episodes of this podcast. We have covered some really amazing things and talked to some really amazing people on this show. So for all of the people who helped me put this together, uh, Chris over at Underdog, and my kids for understanding when I can't hang with them because I have to go talk about Batman for an hour. I love doing this podcast. And I'm so, so thankful that anybody listens to this show. Happy holidays to whichever holiday you happen to celebrate. Happy New Year. We will see you in January with an all-new year. We may do some tweaking to the open, but I am not changing this closing song. Until Spotify tells me I can't do it anymore, I am always going to end with the greatest American hero. Take us out, Joey Scarberry.